Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Analyze Scripts, the podcast. We are so excited you're joining us for our second YouTube episode. That's right. If you are just listening, um, you could also watch us on YouTube. Please don't do it while driving. But otherwise, please (laughs) head on over to Analyze Scripts podcast. Um, Today, we are talking about the latest installment of American Horror Story Delicate, Um, We're going to talk about part one. Uh, Part two is set to come out in early 2024. 
But I am really excited to talk about this episode. What did you think, Portia? I know you're not like super into spooky things. <laughs> I was really impressed that you watched this. Yeah. Uh, like just right off the bat, what are your thoughts? I thought it was um, like intense in the way I I think because as a woman who's like goes to the GYN and who, you know, potentially will or will not experience the birthing process or the pregnancy process, I felt like it was a little traumatizing, but in a way that like, I want to hopefully be clear. And I think you can do a better job at this, but like, this is not a normal experience. Like this is in so many ways, horrific and like, just, you know, there were so many moments that she was like invalidated. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought that that was just like bad. I mean, in yeah. this whole experience, that's already really scary and sometimes daunting and can be painful. Yeah. Um, just to add this obviously extra fictional like yeah. layer to it, but, um, yeah. it was like hard to watch. Totally. And like, so if you've been living under a rock, you know, American Horror Story <laughs> is a series on FX that's been around for many years now. Um, I think next Halloween, we're hoping to cover season one because that was a really good season. But it's a really cool show by Ryan Murphy where it's usually the same sort of crop of actors and the story each season is different. You know, there's been like the the clown one. There's been like the murder house one. There's Witches. been one about the convent. Oh, witches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, so it's all really interesting. Um, And so we see Emma Roberts as the star of this season. She's playing an actress, Anna Victoria Alcott. Um, And the whole like plot to sum it up real quick of this first part of the season is she really wants to have a baby and she's struggling to get pregnant. So we see her and her husband, Dex, um, who previously had been married and we believe his wife died that now at the end of part one, we're not really sure, but, um, you know, they're struggling to get pregnant. So they're going through the IVF process. Um, at the same time, her career is taking off. She's campaigning for an Oscar and we come to find out there's something afoot. There's some sort of like evil plot at play in regards to her baby. We don't exactly know what it is yet, but we see some flashbacks to like, you know, someone else agreeing to give their baby away to these people in like weird black crow outfits um, to be able to like have power or money or or something that they want. And it seems like this is going that way. Like how much do you want a baby? How much do you want an Oscar? Right. Right. Um, It's like this cabal that's like been around for centuries apparently. And I don't know. Like, I think obviously we're missing so much that I hope we get from season two, but I I have like so many questions, right? Like, is the husband involved? Is he not? Um, Is the PR, um, you know, Kim Kardashian? Yep. Siobhan, is she involved? It seems like she is with those little supplements that look like blood. Obviously the doctor is involved, but like, it just, it's, I have so many questions that I'm, I'm excited to hopefully get answered, even though it will be scary. Yeah. Um, In part two. Yeah. I think my biggest question is why is Kim Kardashian playing Siobhan? Like why? It was so bad. Portia, I'm sorry. Like I thought Kim Kardashian did a pretty good job on SNL. I'm not going to lie. I was like, well, she was kind of funny. But in this, I was just like cringe. And I think it's because like, I also don't know if she could like if it would matter if she was better at acting because she's still Kim Kardashian, which is like, I think her like, 
being and persona and aura is just so powerful. And she was playing somewhat of a similar person. So it, it like wasn't this crazy stretch, but yeah. I think it's just so hard because we know her from 20 years of reality TV that like, I can't see past that. So regardless, even if she was, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like, so I can't tell. Is it like, is it, is it poor acting or is it just like, I can't see her in another way? I think well, it's think both it acting. Yeah. <laughs> but also like why her? Like there's, I've got to imagine there's so many good actresses out there that could have done a great job in the role. And it's not like American Horror Story has been doing badly. As far as I know, maybe the ratings have been down. I don't think they've been down that much. Like why? Like, I just feel like it's to use her for her following and to get eyeballs on the screen. But it honestly annoyed me. Like I would say of all the stuff we've watched so far, I felt like this was the worst just in terms of like, I didn't like it that much, like in terms of like the acting and stuff like that and the storyline. Um, I liked all the mental health themes. I'm excited to talk about them. But I was just like, even like Emma Roberts acting, I didn't think was great. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I just didn't love it. And I, you know, I don't know if that's because it's not my favorite genre, but I, you know, I like I finished the episode last night and I started it when it came out. Like I've it's been difficult to kind of get through the episodes. Um, I, I love Emma in other seasons um, yeah. and in other, you know, shows. So I, I don't know. It just, it just kind of fell flat and for, for like a couple of reasons, but I, I did watch the last episode in which I think it's the last one where she eats the raccoon. Oh. Um, and I was literally like going to throw up. Throw up. Yeah. I had, to, I had, I couldn't look, I couldn't look at it. That took me by surprise. Um, um, yeah, same with me. It was like, and the episodes weren't that long. So you could just think you'd like plow through them, right? Like morning show, succession, you, I am like, can't wait to watch the next one. But this one, I was like, ugh. And I just think it's because like Kim Kardashian was not very good. I'm sorry. She wasn't. She wasn't. I'm sorry. And, it, and I get a little angry that like she gets all these opportunities when there's probably so many good actresses out there like dying for an opportunity like this. Mm -hmm. And it just, I feel morally opposed to it. <laughs> I wonder um, if it was just for like shock value. You know what I mean? Like they, like there's been a lot of bad feedback about it. And like, I think they, they've, they've had to have known that even when, you know, like she auditioned or, or in the acting and like, Kim, you're great at, you're great at a lot of things. And maybe like this just thing isn't for you. Good for yeah. you for trying. I don't know. But um, I'm surprised she had such a have like so much dialogue. I really thought she'd be in it, but like peripherally. And she was like really in it trying to act. And yeah. I was like, I don't know if we need that much. Hmm. Like maybe she so, could, you know. Something that I'm wondering too is that this all this whole thing came out while um the SAG strike was slash is going on. So I think that's also interesting because like no one I didn't see any like promotions for it, it from Kim or right. anyone else. And I just thought that that's like, you know, there's been other bigger hits that have still done well, despite not having the actors and there. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. Like, it's just, let's, let's get into the mental health themes. Okay. Like, we both didn't give it five stars. So yeah. oh, it's not our favorite. Okay. Yeah. But there's a ton of mental health themes, you know, I think as it relates to IVF, um, and the journey to motherhood and like just being a woman, I think. Um, so before I dive in, I want to hear about your perspective, Korsha. 
I would say that I felt like it, they did a good job at um, portraying just like the emotions related to um, having a miscarriage or um, the difficulties with getting pregnant um, and like the stress that accompanies that. And ultimately, like, you know, there's it, the loss is different for everyone. I think it's like unique to the, the you know, the woman carrying the pregnancy initially and then yeah. potentially losing it or, or carrying a full to term. So I thought that Emma, you know, was able to portray that well. I think she is a mom. Yeah. Um, so I think that she probably kind of pulled on some of her experiences through that process. What's scary, what's exciting, the ups and the downs. Um, so I, I liked that aspect. I thought that was pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, and like going to a clinic, right? Like going to a separate place to receive the, um, IVF procedures. Um, I didn't love the red, right? <laughs> red gloves, red walls. It was like all, like, first of all, why would you ever have a red glove? Obviously, they did it in the movie for a reason, but like, it's like, is there blood on it or not? Like, that's. I think the red weird. is the thing for visual effect, like with the movie. Uh, yeah. Like, the, the vitamins were red. Like, no, they're not. Like, you know, like, I think that's all just for visual effect um, and very in line with like the AHS genre, I would say, yeah. but certainly that theme of red, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even like the progesterone that she was supposed to take, I believe that's what it was that she had to keep in the fridge, came in these like glass vials. And it's like, that's not what it looks like, right? Um, but whatever, you know, it's for visual effect. So mm-hmm. I, I get it. But like these the the vitamins that Siobhan gave her that look like blood. Um you like can just twelve. It's like you can just take B twelve pill. That's obviously not B twelve. <laughs> And also, like, why are you relying on Siobhan to know if this is safe in pregnancy? Just call your OBGYN. I mean, it turns out this guy is, like, in, involved, so you shouldn't trust him. Um, but in general, I was like, okay. Um, I mean, I think that it's really important to point out that, and this is, like, one of those things that goes without saying, and yet we need to keep saying it, that IVF is incredibly stressful under the best of circumstances and capital T trauma in many circumstances, I'm not even going to say um, in the worst circumstances, because I think it just is traumatic, like, right, like, quite literally, it's very invasive in your body. Um, it's very stressful emotionally. I think upwards of 40% of women going through IVF experience a mental health condition, mostly depression and anxiety, but I also see PTSD and I see OCD happen a lot around IVF. And that makes sense, right? I mean, because it is like traumatic to lose a baby, to have a miscarriage, um, to have a stillbirth. Um, it's very stressful to always be in that cycle of uncertainty and waiting, waiting to get your period, waiting to not get your period, waiting to take the pregnancy test, waiting to ovulate, tracking everything. I mean, it's just so unbelievably stressful and can be really all consuming. And you know, you can see how it can lead to things like PTSD, how it can lead to OCD after the fact, right? Because you're like, it's normalized to check, you know, check the pregnancy test, check the ovulation strips, check this, check that. And then when the baby's here, you don't want to lose it. So you're still checking. You know, I see some women like weigh their baby obsessively or sort of like obsessively track the baby's, you know, eating, peeing, pooping, you know, like those sort of things. It's hard to let go of that and feel secure, So it's incredibly stressful. And I did really appreciate, even though I didn't love it as a viewer, really appreciated this being on our screens in such a like 
big way, right? Like just a woman going through IVF and just showing how stressful mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I think it's important to highlight because it's common. You know, having a miscarriage is wildly common. Having two like infertility issues is common. Um, I think one of the biggest, um, what would I say, like supports or um, positive reinforcers of this experience is having a support system, um, Mm -hmm. which I feel like she didn't have. Oh, yeah, Um, her husband. Her husband got worse over the season with just like uh, me being really suspicious of what was actually going on, especially within the last episode with the conversation with his mom and her kind of coming in. Mm -hmm. So I initially kind of liked him. And then I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, I feel like she's like, uh, Anna Victoria has been like targeted, you know, like, I feel like there was this like evil plot all along and they're like choosing her because she's like this famous actress to somehow like have this baby they're gonna like make a black crow or something weird and like yeah. evil, you know? But I like didn't find her husband to be that great. No. And like I, I think it's hard because if you I guess you could look at it from two sides. Like all the stuff that's happening to to her from like a just a black and white on paper um perspective like seems a little outlandish or like all of a sudden all this stuff is happening. So it's like, you know, as her paranoia is growing, but it's, but it's, you know, it's like you either believe her or you don't. And if you believe her, you're like in on the plot that like something nefarious is going on. And like all of this is happening and it's real and it, and she needs to be protected at all costs. And if you don't believe her, like she's going crazy, (laughs) right? Like she is, but you're dismissing her and invalidating her and making things worse. So, I just, so can you maybe speak to like, is this, does this happen um, within pregnancy or IVF due to like the hormones and stuff? Like, do people become paranoid? How does this play out in real life? So no, it, I was so annoyed, but yet I think it's actually a good depiction. Cause I feel like people say this to women overall, like, Oh, it's your hormones. Like even like PMS, right? Like we just so invalidate women's experience by chalking it up to hormones. And yet at the same time, it's like, okay, you're not acknowledging like, yeah, these hormones actually do have an effect. So like, help me out here, which is so infuriating, but I, you know, women are most likely to experience a mental health situation or mental health challenge or during their childbearing years. And why is that? Like, we know that in men, they're most likely to have their first episode, whether it's depression, bipolar disorder, psychosis in their late teens to their 20s. For women, it's a little later. It's like 20s to 30s, which is right around the time of childbearing. So it's like, okay, we sort of in part think that it's because that just happens to be the time we see first episodes. But we also know, and we're starting to, you know, the medical field in general is starting to have better understanding that there is something to the hormonal fluctuations. So if you've experienced a mental health condition before getting pregnant, anything from depression, anxiety, trauma, OCD, um, psychosis, substance use, your risk of experiencing it around the time of having children is higher than if you haven't experienced, you know, any mental health conditions beforehand. But even if you haven't experienced any mental health conditions beforehand, you're at highest risk over the course of your life during this time period. Um, 
And we know postpartum depression is incredibly common. Um, one in seven women and one in seven, or sorry, one in 10 dads experience postpartum depression. The dad's hormones aren't changing. Okay. So like, there's just a lot of stress that goes into like having children. We know that most cases of postpartum depression, if you trace it back, actually start during pregnancy. Um, I think it's like 60% of cases start during pregnancy. The remaining 40% really show up after having the baby, um, but it's usually not picked up till after having the baby. And unfortunately, 75% of women who screen positive for postpartum depression don't end up accessing treatment, which is awful and way lower than the rates of treatment access for you know depression outside of pregnancy. So oh, why is that? I imagine that there's multiple reasons, but... I think there's a lot of reasons and I don't think we know like exactly why I think that, um, a, there's not good mental health resources in general. Like we've talked about that a lot. Like it's really hard to access care period. And then I think once you've had a baby, like when do you have time to go on psychologytoday.com and look for a therapist and make all the calls and wait for them to hear back and schedule the appointment when you have a newborn? Like, it's just so hard. Um, and I think there's a lot of shame and stigma, right? Like I think in general, there's a lot of shame and stigma about living with a mental health condition that keeps people from reaching out for help. And then I think, especially when you've had a baby, you're thinking like, this is supposed to be the best time of my whole life. Yeah. I don't want to talk about this. Right. Or you, I think a lot of women, especially when you're having like intrusive thoughts of harm coming to your baby, which is really common with anxiety and OCD, you know, a lot of women, will feel worried. Like if they're doing the dishes and they see a knife, they'll think like, oh my God, what if, what if somehow my baby gets stabbed? Or if they hear a noise, they think, oh my God, it's an intruder. Or they might think like you might have an intrusive thought or flash of an image of like throwing your baby out the window. It's really scary to tell someone that if you don't know that this is a super common thing to happen after having a kid and that it's a sign of an underlying anxiety or OCD disorder, you, you might be afraid that they're going to take your baby True. Or you might be afraid that you have psychosis, you're losing your mind. So these are really hard things to talk about. Um, and I think, you know, one thing I always tell my patients, and I hope that we can tell our listeners and just keep getting the message out there is that these conditions are really common and they're treatable. And it's important that we improve access to treatment because suicide is the number one cause of mortality the first year postpartum. And postpartum mental health conditions are the number one complication of pregnancy overall. So like this is really important. Um, and so in that way, I'm really happy that this is on our screen. Um, even if Kim Kardashian's in it and the acting is so great, <laughs> you know, I can tolerate it for that reason. True. Yeah. So I guess separating like right fiction or TV effect from reality. What did you see that was maybe does they did do a good job of this is a typical experience or something yeah. that, that did make sense? And what are maybe what's something that's like, this is a hundred percent wrong. Yeah. I think what I really liked about her character was I'm also imagining like someone in of her stature and fame going through IVF would be really nerve wracking. And like when they, you know, when she, preacher takes her picture at the clinic, like she probably would be really terrified of that getting out there. That's her personal, private medical information. She's not going to want it to get out there. I would imagine like as a famous person, that would be really accurate. Um, I, uh, the, you know, remember how, like when we were talking about succession and we said like, is it narcissism or is it just growing up in this environment? 
I think for her, the same question came to my mind with the paranoia aspect. Like, is she paranoid in developing a psychotic disorder or is this her reality? And like, it is her reality. We see that, right? Like people are following her. They are trying to get her. It seems like they got her somehow. Like this is her reality. And we see her being invalidated over and over. And I do think as a woman navigating the healthcare system, unfortunately, we know this happens. Like, and now there's all these studies out there that like women and something even just like pain is constantly invalidated, right? Like we're all expected to go to work when we have awful menstrual cramps. It's like, we'll just suck it up. Um, And I mean, we know now that these things affect certain uh, members of the population even more so, right? Like I'm thinking about like racial disparities, socioeconomic disparities, you know, we tend to get invalidated more. Um, I think like near the end, the scenes with the physical therapist played by Cara, right? Or maybe it was I don't know. I don't think it was her. When they were doing the ultrasounds and stuff, right? The transvaginal ultrasound, like they did like show a lot, right? Like they showed her in the stirrups. They showed that is what the wand looks like for the ultrasound. It's not small. Um, it And it doesn't feel like it hurts, you know, like under the best of circumstances, it's not like pleasurable. Um, and I thought they actually did a good job of showing that and showing how like, you know, unfortunately, and you know, with pregnancy and everything, it is very invasive and they're not doing a good job of like, obtaining her consent beforehand and stopping when she says to stop. And I think, you know, I hope that's not the average woman's experience, but I can't say I'd be surprised if I heard some of this stuff happened. Um, You know, like even thinking about things like, I don't know if you know what like a membrane sweep is, um, but like, you know, cervical exams toward the end of pregnancy to see how much you're dilated. Like you should always ask permission before you're doing an internal physical exam on anyone. Um, and I think like sometimes people just do it, uh, even if the woman doesn't want you to. So there's a lot, um, I think, especially in obstetrics that needs to be improved and continues to be talked about. And it did like highlight that. I was really annoyed when they kept saying like, oh, it's the hormones you're taking. That's what's causing all of this. Because like, sure, I guess like any medication like progesterone or anything else, theoretically, I'm sure there's someone out there who's experienced psychosis related to the medication, I would imagine it's incredibly rare. That's not a common side effect. Uh, For most people, progesterone is an anxiolytic, which means it like calms you down. It shouldn't make you paranoid. I think if she weren't actually being followed and she was hallucinating or having paranoia, she probably is experiencing psychosis, which can be triggered by the hormonal shifts and usually is an underlying um, indication that the woman has bipolar disorder. So whenever we see psychosis develop in pregnancy or in the postpartum period, it's bipolar. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Disorder until proven otherwise. You, of course, would do the normal workup for psychosis, check labs, check brain imaging, just make sure there's nothing else going on. But usually, again, this is the first time a woman will experience it, and it is an indication they actually have a bipolar disorder. Um, and it is worth mentioning that postpartum psychosis is a psychiatric emergency. Um, and it has a, it's associated with a 5% risk of suicide, a 4% risk of infanticide. Um, so it's, it's pretty scary. Um, and again, I think, uh, important to note that, you know, when I am treating women who have these intrusive thoughts about harm coming to their baby, I always try to tell them like, yes, it's distressing, but it's a good uh, sign if you're feeling distressed by that, because that means you're more likely to have anxiety or OCD. It's when it's not distressing or it feels almost like an altruistic delusion. Like I have to kill my baby because Satan has inhabited their body right. and a freedom that is psychosis and what's scary. And, you know, you'll often see um, sleep disruptions, you know, they can't sleep. Mm-hmm. They're very restless. They're agitated. They all have delusional beliefs, like what I just mentioned with the baby. Uh, delusional beliefs and broad strokes are, you know, someone a fixed belief that other people in your culture don't share, but like you believe, like you know, you're getting messages through the radio or through the TV or things like that. Um, and then you can have hallucinations, which are you know, seeing or hearing things that aren't really there. Um, so again, if Anna Victoria had been having the same symptoms she was having, but not been being followed she'd be psychotic, but this is actually happening. So right. With like the pictures, I mean, the pictures, when she was looking at them, and then she saw Ivy in the background at one point, um, like that felt like it was a hallucination. But everything else was right, like she was seeing her, the doll, the doll. I mean, that was real. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the what's her name, Anna, um, Sonia or Adeline, right? Like yeah. the artist With, or the deceased wife. That's right, who's bizarre. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the woman following the other, right. right. Like a lipstick, like, yeah. Ivy doing the ultrasound was real, but no one else knew she was there. Like all this is happening. And I think what helps us realize that it's reality is when Kumal, the driver, or sorry, Kamal, um, like sees preacher, right? Like when he was driving her, right? We see someone outside of her who can confirm like, no, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. So do you think that preacher is that woman that they showed in the flashback in the eighties? Um, who, <laughs> yeah, like, I think so too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she I, had to deal with it and now she's trying to like warn, um, multiple people. So Anna Victoria and then, um, Dexter's mom. Um, and I was like, is the mom, was the mom preacher's baby? Like, are we going to find out who that baby was? Has that baby become part of it? Like, we don't really know. And like, what are the babies? Because they are like spiders or <laughs> they're, they're like something. Islands and stuff. Yeah. So like, do they turn into people or do they turn into things that can look like people? And, and like, is, is the husband one? Right. Yeah. Like. 
I, is Siobhan one or do they, do they, um, like sacrifice them and that's how they keep the wealth and fame right because at the last episode we find out that siobhan when she's like with that writer guy who she hates but is like having sex with um he's like why did you like who are you you made me do this movie you made me cast anna victoria and now it's like up for oscars it was like a terrible script and she's a bad actress and um and i was just like huh so like I just want to know, like, what, obviously, and hopefully we'll find out in part two, but, like, what is happening? What is going on? Yeah, exactly. Like, how are they all in on it? I think they're all in on it. Yeah. Like, I really think they're all, I think even, like, Nicolette, the house manager who just had a baby, I'm like, is her baby one of these, like, crow babies? Um, Like, what's going on? Like, why are they all sacrificing their babies? Like, uh, it's just weird. And then, like, also... Um, like when the younger actress died, like got decapitated. Remember, like Siobhan, yes, Babette, um, had like called to be like, how bad do you want it? Are you willing to do anything? And then that happens. I was like, Ooh, yikes. Right. Spooky. Yeah. The the last episode was a lot there. We, we, at, at first when the mom came in, um, so Dexter's mom, she seemed like overbearing um like rude inappropriate boundaries and i was you know ready to kind of go down that path and then all of a sudden like to see the way that dexter like dismisses her feels very similar to him dismissing his wife um Mm -hmm. i'm curious about like right is her is his ex-wife alive or or is his deceased wife alive what happened with their father like is he part of it yeah like like going to court against him like why does she ask him to like testify on her behalf? Like how icky. Yeah. And like, I just found that like fancy lunch between the two of them. So awful and cringy in the way that she just kept saying, like, I wish I never had kids, but like, I didn't have a choice. And you're like saying that to the kid you had, it's just so right. awful. But also I feel like I've seen an iteration of that conversation, like on the real housewives. So I think there are awful parents out there who just like, don't know boundaries and mm-hmm. this awful stuff to their kids. Right. Cause I think there's ways to express things that if you really feel like they need to be expressed without saying it the way that they're saying it, right? Like, Oh, like, you know, pregnancy was really hard. Like not, Oh, I wish I was never pregnant with you or like, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm toddler, toddler years were really challenging as a parent. Oh, you were, you know, you were colicky. You, you didn't sleep a lot. Like that's not, that's like kind of a fact versus, and I wished that I had given you up for adoption. It's like, right. There's a difference. Right. I think to be able to like navigate that difference and see it, you have to be able to empathize with Dex in this case and imagine like, what's it going to feel like for him if I say this and maybe I shouldn't, cause maybe right. it'd be hurtful, but like there are people with, you know, narcissistic traits, borderline traits, sort of that cluster B personality realm, which again, just as a refresher includes things like narcissism, borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder, where they're missing that empathy chip. So they're really not able to think about that. They just sort of see everything through their point of view and that's it. And I feel like she's like right in line with that. You know, mm-hmm. no, totally. Um, so that'll be a TBD, you know, a t- to be continued or TBC for, for part two. But
think the last thing that I thought was a really interesting line was something that Sonia said, actually. Um, again, Sonia is like, I guess, like the artist that Dex is apparently working with, but she looks a lot like his ex-wife. And even, identical. Yes. Like even Anna Victoria, like asks her, like, are you related to her? Do you know her and stuff? Like she's starting to pick things up. Um, and Sonia was like, you know, my mother was a borderline or bipolar or both. Who knows? And I actually thought that was such a smart line because those conditions, borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder, often get misdiagnosed as mm-hmm. each other. Sometimes you can have both simultaneously. I'd say that's probably pretty rare, but we're constantly misusing those labels, not only in popular media like this, but I think even unfortunately within the field, there can be similarities. And I think. I often see people diagnosed with bipolar disorder when really what they have is borderline personality disorder. So I thought it might be helpful to maybe talk about the differences between the two. Um, Yeah. And I think I just want to, you know, our listeners, if you have seen um, the bear um, in season two of the bear, which episode we released last week, there is a moment where um, the mom, Donna, or is it Donna? Yes, Donna. Um, So she's having like television of all Yeah. So she's having kind of like a moment. Um, but I think that's kind of a good example of when she's like cooking and there's chaos of where people do get confused. Cause it's like, I think if you're using kind of pop psychology, like, you know, references, it's like, oh, she's having an episode. She's manic. It's like, she's not yeah. manic. She's dysregulated. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yes, so yes. we throw that around a lot. And I see mostly now um, bipolar two constantly paired with borderline and that is pretty frustrating um i think yeah and it's it just seems like a a label because you know most people are not borderline one um which is like you meet full criteria right for mania and depressive disorders yeah bipolar one and um yes bipolar one so that's like it's not common it's like mm-hmm. a rarer disorder. And so we now have this bipolar two, which is like, you know, less severe symptoms than both. Right. Which is, but I feel like it's, it's often overdiagnosed in teens, young adults yes. um, who yes. are just having like episodes where they're feeling dysregulated. They have a lot of environmental stressors or, or it, so it's, it's really frustrating. So yes, let's talk more about yes. the differences. <laughs> I would love to. I totally agree. And especially the bipolar two, I will say anytime as a clinician, I see someone coming to me with a diagnosis of bipolar two, I'm skeptical just because of this very, you know, phenomenon we're talking about. And especially once I see they have a quote unquote history of bipolar two plus trauma, plus substance abuse, plus ADHD. To me, what you're actually talking about are different characteristics of borderline personality disorder. You're just calling it different things. Um, Again, not saying it's not possible to have all of those things. And sometimes it's not even borderline personality disorder. It's just trauma Mm -hmm. and like the sequelae of maybe living through traumatic experiences or complicated chronic traumatic experiences um, like child abuse or things like that. Um, But I would love to talk about this topic. So When we think about borderline personality disorder, again, revisit our bear episode, revisit our episodes on succession um, and white Lotus, where we talk more about this stuff, you know, Roman in succession and then Tanya and white Lotus. Um, Again, it's, it's a a type of, you know, 
personality traits that are really stemming from this, you know, fear of abandonment is like at its core. And it can definitely have mood liability, which means that your mood changes rapidly. Um, it can have um, impulsivity. You can have, um, uh, you know, self-harming behaviors, a lot of things that go along with it. But how you distinguish something like borderline personality disorder from something like bipolar disorder is the episodes, right? So like people with borderline personality disorder or other personality traits, or perhaps trauma who have emotional liability will have mood swings on the order of like minutes to hours to days, right? So usually their mood swings last short, amount of time, minutes, hours, days. These are the people who will say to you, like, you know, one minute I'm happy, the next minute the world's awful. And it's very black or white, very much all or nothing way of thinking. With bipolar disorder, what you have are discrete episodes of time where for X number of days or more, you're experiencing multiple symptoms simultaneously, right? So like the easiest way to think about it is like when you have a major depressive disorder, you have symptoms of depression lasting for 14 days or more in a row, right? It's not like you get bad news and you feel really depressed or you lose a beloved pet and you're grieving. Like this is different. This is 14 days or more in a row. And it's not just the low mood and the anhedonia or loss of interest in things. It's other things too, like disrupted sleep, you know, change in appetite, change in energy, trouble focusing, maybe some suicidal thoughts, like all of that mm-hmm. is like a depressive episode, right? So same thing applies for the other pole of mood disorders, what we call mania, right? Um, for mania, for at least a week or more, so seven days in a row or more, you have to have a certain number of symptoms um, persist. That's very different from your baseline. And the acronym that we use to sort of remember, well, what are these symptoms you're looking for is dig fast. So distractibility, impulsivity, grandiosity, flight of ideas, activity increase, sleep deficit, and talkativeness. So basically these are people who feel like Superman on top of the world, very grandiose, have all these big ideas. They're engaging in impulsive behaviors, whether it's substance abuse, reckless spending, gambling, um, sexual encounters, um, you know, flying down the highway on a uh, skateboard, jumping off a roof, you know, because you think you can fly, like all of this stuff together. It's really hard to follow their train of thought because they're all over the place and they're talking so fast. We call it pressured speech. You can't get a word in. Um, once you've talked to someone with this, you know what I mean. Um, but it's like, if you notice having normal conversations, like Portia, if you were to start talking, I'm, I would stop to listen to you. These people can't stop themselves. It's like they have a motor running and they can't stop. So that's the most extreme form called mania. Once you have one manic episode, you have bipolar one disorder. Most people with bipolar one disorder will also have depressive episodes and they might have hypomanic episodes, but you have to have a manic episode. And usually the disruption in your functioning is so severe that you end up hospitalized. Um, What's interesting is that most people with bipolar disorder, their first episode actually is a depressive episode and it occurs in your late teens to 20s for men, 20s to 30s for women. Um, sometimes when you have mania, you also have psychotic symptoms like delusional thinking, hallucinations, things like that. Um, and again, in pregnancy, if you have postpartum psychosis, that is most of the time indicative of an underlying bipolar disorder. And that's usually the first like manic type episode that you're having or psychotic type episode. 
Bipolar 2 is a condition in which you have hypomania. So kind of like halfway between like normal mood and mania. So maybe you're talking a little quicker. Maybe you're not sleeping as much, but you're noticing it. You're having a bit more grandiosity, but it doesn't reach the threshold of mania. And that has to last for four days or more in a row. Um, so again, it's not like you got great news and you're feeling high and on top of the world because of that for a short period of time, or you're having mood lability. Um, it has to last for four days or more in a row. And for bipolar two, you have to have discrete episodes of hypomania and depression. Um, so that's kind of a quick overview. Um, is that helpful? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaways are that, and and I don't know if this is just a really simplified way of thinking about it, but I like to think about board, um, borderline or BPD as more of like typically or just like environment environment's effects. So like wounds from childhood, attachment issues, trauma, um, and, it's and by interpersonal. Yep. So it's and bipolar like- one, it feels more organic. Like it's yeah. it's your brain. It's not yeah. happening because you experienced a trauma. Obviously, that can trigger things. Pregnancy can trigger it, but it's really more organic. Um, medical. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. why medication is more effective, right? For bipolar yeah. one, it's like it it helps your brain kind of regulate itself. And that's why with BPD, we often see and you could speak to maybe the specific ones, but like seven different kinds of yeah. medication who medicating yeah. all the different um, symptoms. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So like, I think that's a great way to put it is that, you know, I always think about BPD as the symptoms come out when there's interpersonal conflict. Mm-hmm. So often when you have a fight, you feel rejected, you feel emotionally abandoned. That's when you see the symptoms come out. And again, like the mainstay treatment for BPD these days is DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, where it's all about identifying emotions, learning how to tolerate distress, learning interpersonal effectiveness to be able to communicate your needs more appropriately, more assertively without, um, you know, acting out behaviors like harming yourself or um, making threats or, you know, things like that. Um, And you're totally right that the treatment for bipolar disorders you really need medication to keep it under wraps, specifically mood stabilizers and sometimes antipsychotics or atypical antipsychotics. Um, it's really hard to, you know, convince people to stay on these medications because unfortunately they do have side effects. And a lot of times, you know, part of mania is this grandiosity where you feel like above everything, you feel like you can handle anything, you feel great. Like you don't want to take it. You don't want to come down because it's like intoxicating. So as you can imagine, it's it's really hard to get people on board to take these medications. Um, and the crash after a manic episode is usually a really bad depressive episode. And so as you can imagine, the risk of suicide and things like that is really high, especially when you add substances on board, which can happen. You know, a lot of people living with untreated bipolar disorder rely on drugs or alcohol to either bring them down or bring them up. It's really tricky. But then you're right with BPD, the best treatment is really good therapy. And we use medications more so to treat the symptoms of BPD. Sometimes there, you know, there is evidence for things like Lamictal, which is a specific mood stabilizer to like help with BPD or SSRIs to help. But usually with BPD, again, you're treating the symptoms. And sometimes, unfortunately, I see in my practice when you have a patient with BPD, 
who doesn't know it because they haven't been accurately diagnosed or they're in, you know, inexperienced hands, they might be told they have bipolar disorder and ADHD and depression and anxiety and OCD and basically all of the diagnoses possible, which is incredibly rare to have every single mental health diagnosis possible. Um, So you see someone, I think I've shared with you before, like once I see someone's on medications from five different medication classes or more, the, my suspicion for BPD is pretty high. Um, So usually I see, you know, like um, an SSRI plus a benzo for anxiety, plus a stimulant for ADHD, plus an antipsychotic like Seroquel to help them sleep or for their, um, you know, brief psychotic episodes, which again, some patients with BPD do have these like brief kind of like psychotic experiences of dissociative quality or things like that. And then the fifth one is like dealer's choice, like some random thing like propranolol or gabapentin or some random medication from a class. Again, once I start to see that, I think, okay, we need to step Mm -hmm. back and think like, what are we treating here? It looks like we're treating each of the individual like symptom clusters of BPD without actually treating the BPD. Um, So that's just sort of what I've seen and kind of developed over time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems to pop up in a lot of TV um, and movies. It's like bipolar um, or in older movies like manic depressive um, and BPD. Like I think, and narcissism, of course, we can't forget our friendly narcissists, but which I would say is like probably Siobhan, um, right? Like big, high PR for marketing, um, like definitely, I think she portrays it. And I think that's probably just like a typical presentation being in that big of a position with power. Right. Where it's so image focused. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and I did not get any whiff of narcissism from Anna Victoria, which I think is notable even though she is like a famous actress. Um, Again, not saying famous actresses have narcissism, but, you know, sometimes they do. Uh, So it's just interesting. And I think um, even though as a whole, I didn't love it, I do think there were so many rich mental health themes that we keep seeing come up. And like, I always find it fascinating that in the art and media, this like crossover of like narcissism, BPD, bipolar disorder, like, kind of mirrors clinical experience that these things can be tricky to tease out because we don't have like a blood test or brain scans. Um, Despite what the aiming clinic and all of their charlatan shenanigans will want you to believe you can't diagnose this stuff with brain scans. Oh my God. I just drives me nuts. Yeah. Well, and you just had an article come out with CNN about some of the new yeah. medication that is available for postpartum. We will link it in the show notes if you want to check yeah. it out. Um, so there, you know, I think there's more research being done, more evidence yeah. um, kind of coming out all the time that's hopefully supporting women um, and their birth journeys or their pregnancies, IVF journeys. And just like, I think it's been lacking for so long. Um, so maybe even a show, right? That's like, it's American Horror Story. So it's supposed to be cr- like wild and So it's like, I think it's so great. Like, let's keep the conversation going. Yep. Love it. Well, thanks for listening today. Um, We will be releasing part two as it comes out. And I I am excited to do at some point murder house. um, Just right. Like the psychiatrist in it. So that'll be fun. But um, you can follow us on 
all sorts of social media, TikTok and Instagram at Analyze Scripts Podcast. We are on YouTube now. So if you're watching, thank you. If you're listening and you want to watch, check us out there and make sure to like, um, share us and subscribe. And we'll see you yeah. next time. Next Sunday. Bye. Bye. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyzed Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast and its contents are a copyright of Analyzed Scripts, all rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited. Unless you want to share it with your friends and rate, review, and subscribe, that's fine. All stories and characters discussed are fictional in nature. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased, places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.
Thank you.